Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. So we thought, let's get open doors in. So we met the guy speaking today, Mark Liebert. We had dinner with him, and we thought, let's get this guy in to share. So he's with us this morning and tonight. Mark is a representative with Open Doors. He works with them. He's got youth ministry background. We were talking earlier. He works a lot into prisons around the country as well. Uh, He's in a church in Wembley, and he's going to share later on after we watch this video in a moment. So get ready. What can we do? How can we respond to the persecuted church our brothers and sisters, our family across the globe. Take a look at this so that you'll hear about the work of Open Doors and then Mark LeBird will come in afterwards. Thank you. What would you dare to do for Jesus? Would you defy dictators? Worship in secret? Sacrifice your safety? Over 360 million Christians around the world face persecution and discrimination every day. And these are the top 10 countries where Christians risk everything for Christ. Number 10, Sudan. Unrest in Sudan has increased following a military coup. Violence and pressure against Christians have worsened. At number nine, Afghanistan. Following the Taliban takeover, those Christians who have not fled the country have been forced deep underground. If discovered, they face death. Iran is at number eight. Iranian house churches are seen as a threat by the Islamist regime. Church members who are caught are given long prison sentences. Number seven, Pakistan. Pakistan's infamous blasphemy laws are often used to target believers. Christian women and girls are vulnerable to kidnap and forced marriage. Nigeria is at number six. More Christians are killed in Nigeria than in all the other countries of the world combined. And the violence is getting worse. Number five, Libya. In this lawless land, both native and migrant Christians are targeted, kidnapped, and even killed. At number four is Eritrea. Christians who dare to meet without official permission risk arrest. Over a thousand believers are in jail without charge. Yemen is number three on the list. The humanitarian crisis continues. Anyone suspected of being a Christian will be deliberately overlooked for aid and might be expelled or killed by their own tribe. Number two is Somalia. Islamic militants are intensifying their hunt for Christians and violent attacks are increasing. And at number one, North Korea, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Spies are everywhere. Discovery means death, either by execution or by being worked to death in a labor camp. 
Despite the danger, in all these countries, the church is not defeated. It is living, powerful, defiant. And for over 65 years, Open Doors has stood with this church. Where Christians risk persecution, our underground networks support millions of believers with emergency food and aid, spiritual care, smuggled Bibles and Christian books, training and legal advice. And where Christians enjoy freedom, we work with local churches to raise prayer and support and to speak truth to those in power. Every day around the world, Christians risk everything to follow Christ. Will you dare to stand with them? Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be with um, the C3 Church today, greeting um, Steve and Angie, who are doing amazing work here. Uh, greeting those at Berry St. Edmunds. Um, lovely to see you guys. Well, I'm not seeing you, you're seeing me. Um, and, and the Colchester crew, grateful for you guys. And those who are online, welcome, welcome, welcome. And our special guest today, those from Way Out TV, God bless you, and it's just so great to have this opportunity to speak with you today. Um, so as I said, my name is Mark Lyburn, and I've been with Open Doors for a year now, and I've been really excited to um, be on this journey with Open Doors. Uh, um, I've been ministering for a, a long while, youth ministry, I love youth ministry, love working with young people, and, but I believe God has just called me to, to speak to the church um, I, I've, I've just been excited um, to come here today, and I've come the first time here um, within the C3 family, and uh, I've just had an amazing week. I've had an amazing week. Like my, my, I don't know, some of you may have heard, like my team, um, one of the best teams in the world, um, won um, a European Cup this week. You heard about that? Yeah, West Ham United, fantastic. Yes, yeah, West Ham United, not Man City, forget about that. West Ham United, it's just so amazing to see us do that. So I have to celebrate everywhere I go because I won't be able to do that for another 40 years. So, um, but today I just want to share with you that there, there is an element of, uh, I, I don't know, I feel there's a, a burden on my heart to be able to explain explicitly what's happening around the world. And um, I realize that most times I go to churches, from church to church, from different denominations, and we know about the persecuted church, we hear about the persecuted church, but we don't know enough about what's happening. So um, as Steve eloquently shared, like we here we have a, a top 10, the world top 10, which is not a, sounds like a good thing, but it's really a, a bad thing. It's where um, Christians are persecuted the most. If you could just flick to the uh, next slide for me. It's where um, Christians are, are persecuted the most around the world. And what we recognize is that in this top 10, um, um, the next slide, please, in the top 10 slides, we realize that if you can see these countries here, the red, the dark red bits is where extreme persecution happens. Extreme persecution happens. And the orange bits are high persecution. And you can see the zones that are around. Like in, in, in Africa, there is a, a trauma happening where Islam is, is, is marching its way down Africa right now. 
uh, Christianity is under a lot of pressure around the African continent and around the Middle East and around Asia. It's really a lot of pressure happening. Now, we have this world watch list which gives you a, a, a ranking. And like, how do we even get a ranking? Now, there's two things we do. We measure what's happening um, around the world um, to, and we give it a score. Two things. So one is called the smash. And what the smash is, is, is violent acts against people. Real violent acts. So we, we've got pastors and Christian leaders, especially men, will be killed for their faith. They believe if they can, you know, the Bible says if you, if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So they try to uh, damage and kill and hurt the church leaders and a lot of the men, the, the, the leaders of the family. And it, it decimates the church. And the, the, the violent acts go on to uh, women being sexually violent, violated. And we're talking about even um, churches being burnt down. At the moment in Manipur, this place in India, today as we speak, they are burning hundreds of churches. I, I implore you to go onto Open Doors website when you finish and look on what's happening in Manipur. They've even got a video on there of someone showing like a, a, a phone footage. It's crazy to see what's happening just for celebrating Jesus Christ. So this violent act is called the smash and that is given a certain score. Then we have the squeeze. And the squeeze is uh, simply, uh, if you are in a family, maybe you're a Muslim um, and you are Muslim background and you give your life to Jesus, you are now excommunicated from your family. Family don't want to talk to you no more. Sometimes you may be working and you may be um, unemployed. They just sack you from your job or will not allow you to get a job. Sometimes there may be famine or um, some distress within a country and they bring in aid and they will not even give you aid because you're a Christian. There are um, Christians that are in, in prison unlawfully, being in prison for over 10 years without trial because of being a Christian. At the moment, there's a guy called Pastor Ko in Malaysia and he is, uh, um, he's gone missing from 2017. He was doing the work of the Lord and uh, in Malaysia, it's, it's, it's a Muslim country, predominantly Muslims. And as a Christian, you, you are not allowed to evangelize, not allowed. And he was out there doing what he does best. And uh, these masked men came around him, cars just pulled up, put him straight in the back of van. 2017, we've never seen him again. And we're championing, we've got advocacy team in, in, in Open Doors and we're championing the government saying, what has happened to this man? We want an investigation and we, we want answers. And we, we want to be able to put pressure on governments and authorities to be able to stand up for the rights of Christians. And we recognise that even in this place that God wants to do something really new. And I... And I my journey with Open Doors has really opened up my mind to what's happening on the, on the ground. Persecution is, is such a, it's a word that is used, but as Steve said, we, we don't really know what that feels like here. Around the world, I, I'm seeing people stand up for their faith. They believe in God. They're telling the world that no matter what happens, come what may, my feet shall not be moved. My anchor holds and it grips that solid rock. And I know that no matter what comes towards me, my faith will not be shaken. 
I ask God, am I even at that place to even say, my faith will not be shaken? We see atrocities. There was a story last year, in, in, you can see it in the garden, you can Google this. There was a lady, young girl, 16 years old, called Deborah, and she was uh, uh, in school with her friends, and um, this is in the northern part of Nigeria. And they were there, and they were having their exam. They're part of this WhatsApp group, and they said, oh, what's happening? And then she said, oh, you know what, I did really well in my exams. I said, did you? She says, yes, praise to Jesus. In the northern part of Nigeria, uh, it's very Islamic. And there was two boys in the WhatsApp group that said, listen, we are telling you, take that statement down. She says, I can't do that. I can't deny my Christ. Because I'm sorry, I can't do that. It's within me. These boys got angry. They were very angry. They said, we are warning you, that is blasphemy. Take that down. She wouldn't take it down. Then after school, they surrounded her and they grabbed her and they pulled her outside the school and they stoned her to death. Last year. This is not the Bible times. This is now. This is now. This is is a 16-year-old saying, I will stand for Jesus no matter what the cost. I want to read to you today from Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to jump quickly to to verse 3 and I'm going to read a few verses and then I'm going to share with you a little bit about Paul's journey. Philippians 3 says, I thank my God, Philippians 1 verse 3 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. For I am sure of this, that he who hath began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jumping down to verse 12, it says, I want you to know, brothers, that what, was, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard that at all the rest of that my imprisonment is for Christ. Jump down to verse 18. It says, when, they, when then, only that if every way, whether in, in pretense or in truth, however they're speaking this gospel, um, if it's proclaimed and that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, This will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or whether by death. For for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The Apostle Paul here, he is writing from prison. So those who are, are, are even tuning in here um, on, on, on Way Out TV, maybe even this might even make more sense to you. There's a point that he's, he's writing a letter from prison. He's already been given prophecies that, you know what, you're going to die in Rome. Imagine before you even got up today, um, uh, and when you came 
to church to have such a wonderful day that the prophecy, there's a time of prophecy and someone says, here's the prophecy over your life today that by the end of the week you are going to die in this specific place. Imagine you heard that today. Would that bring you joy? Would that, would that bring you a place of comfort? Would you say, right, God, yeah, I've got a week to live. We're, we're on this. We're going to do this, God. We're going to go out and evangelize. I know someone's going to get out a big, massive loan, and we are going on a holiday of a lifetime. We are going to do what we can. We're going to, leave. We're going to turn up as much as we can. But I realize that this man, Apostle Paul, he's a different kind of guy. He's a guy that knows he's imprisoned. He knows his end. He knows that he's meant to die in Rome. But he's still driven. He is incarcerated in prison, chained to a guard. The whole place knows that this guy is a dangerous guy because he's got influence that's turning the city upside down. Now, while he's in prison, he's writing a letter to a church called Philippi. This is a church that he loves so much. This is his baby. This is a place that he's planted. And they are looking and, and working with him. He says, I love the partnership we have because they, they send him clothes. They've sent him food. They look after him while he's in prison. How amazing is that when you are in a place of darkness, when you are in despair, that you have a network of people that come and get you. You have a network of people that come and look after you. You have a network of people that will come and minister to you when you need it most. I've, I've been in and out of prison and, and, and sharing with prisoners, fellowshipping, preaching and teaching in prisons. And a lot of the times when I speak to these guys, the worst thing is they had this community. When they were outside, it was everything is great. But when they get on the inside, who's coming to visit me? No father sometimes, no mother, no brethren, all the guys, all the lads that were with them, nobody comes to visit, which brings distress and despair. But Apostle Paul has a, a group of people that's, that's looking after him and he's writing and he's loving him and he's encouraging them. Imagine that you are in prison encouraging those who are free to be free. Encouraging the church, imagine the guys who are on Way Out TV all writing letters to the C3 church saying, come on guys, live out your freedom. Enjoy your freedom while they're incarcerated. There's a whole different mindset when you are in Christ. There is a thing that digs on the inside of you because Apostle Paul is at this place where he's saying to him, himself, listen, I need to encourage these guys. The scripture says that even my chains will bring encouragement to those who are on the outside. This, this mindset, I'm not sure if I would be at that place. I'm not sure if I was incarcerated, if I'm writing no letter to C3 saying, go on guys, go and preach. I'll be upset. I'll be mad, I'll be upset. I'm saying, God, what is this? But I've met people from the persecuted church. I've met people from that world and I see them and they have a different mindset, a different worldview of their Christianity. Their Christianity tells them, listen, bad times doesn't mean God is not there. Bad times cannot equal God has forsaken me. 
Because, listen, sometimes we've been grown up with some, some cronky, crazy, off-key theologies that tells you that once God's in your life, everything's going to be all right. God's going to love you. God was going to heal you. God can do all of those things. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't happen. Does God stop being God when it doesn't happen? But the problem is our Western worldview does not allow us to see God as a God that sits in our suffering, a God that sits in our trouble. He don't see us like the three Hebrew boys that when the fire is turned up, God is in that fire with me. I'm telling you that I need a God that sits in the fire with me, a God that comes with me no matter what the cost, no matter what the problem is. But my Western view struggles when bad time comes. I can talk, I can preach, but when bad times come, I start questioning, God, are you really in this? Who are you? Where are you? Why are you not turning up? Listen, I have spoken to people who have been imprisoned for their faith. I spoke to a young man who, who escaped from Iran after being imprisoned twice. Been imprisoned twice and saying, listen, the, the trauma of being imprisoned just for being Christian is so terrible. But the minute they were set free, they go on preaching the gospel. There is something deeper on the inside of someone, that, a believer that says, listen, God, whoever you are and wherever you are, I will never turn my back on you. Never. I've seen, I've seen and met. We, we've just come out of a conference where we had two, uh, a, a couple that has just come from Bangladesh and they shared their journey about how he was a Muslim believer, and when he gave his life to Jesus, his whole family, his brothers, his, sister, his brothers and um, uncles, turned on him and beat him senseless. They said, we're going to drag you out to the square, and unless you denounce Jesus, we're going to kill you and hang your body up. So everyone knows what happens when you leave Islam. While they were driving him there to this execution, they were driving him on this journey. They had his van right at the back of the whole um, uh, parade of cars. And as they were heading to the square, he says, for some reason, the driver veered off. And as the car veered off, it just stopped. When it stopped, he thought, what is this? He jumped out the van and ran. That today he's here to tell a story. Does he stop preaching the gospel? No, it burns a fire even deeper. There is something about us when I'm saying, God, I, 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 need, I need a church that, that in the UK that we are not so comfortable in our churches. We, we're, not, we're not so comfortable in just how we have church. I've been so frustrated when I speak to leaders, I speak to churches, and we're speaking to, to people and they, 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 they just enjoy church. We come Sunday, we lift up our hands, we sing songs, and then we, we, we shake each other's hands, we get our coffee, we go home. We don't even understand persecution. We don't understand the depths of persecution. Persecution would be if power has cut and there is no worship band today. Oh, you know what? We, we actually, persecution for us is there is no oat milk in the coffee shop. I can't believe Pastor Angie does not have oat milk in this church. This is disgusting. I'm offended. The problem is our world 
our worldview from the Western perspective is so far off. And God is trying to teach me because I was at this place that I only saw the persecuted church as a persecuted church. I didn't really understand it much, so it was just a label for me, so I can just get up and say, oh God, let's pray for the persecuted church, so I don't know much more about that. But I've learned more and more as Pastor Steve finally said, you know what, actually, there are persecuted family. They're not just the church over there. Because there's churches all around and we don't have relationships with every single church, even in Cambridge, even in, in Bury, or even in Colchester. You don't have that sort of relationship. But you know what? We've got relationship with our family members. And I realise that the, the, my persecuted family are out there. So I'm learning that there is, there is, there is a young girl in Colombia who's been snatched from the, the coke coke fields because the, 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 the cartels want to use her to run their coke and we've got Valencia who's in our children's home so I, I know Valencia and I can pray for her I know that we've got Mesakele in East Africa who had her husband's head decapitated just for the gospel's sake and I know that she's got seven children and one has just been born and she's a widow but she is my sister I know that we've got children from North Korea that have to hide their faith don't know what it is to go church they have to go out into forests and dig up Bibles just to have a service in the midst of a forest. They know what it is to go through persecution and not bow a knee. That's my brother. That's my sister. That's my child. That young girl, Deborah, who was stoned for her faith. That was my daughter. That's your daughter. I've got to look at this thing differently. I've got to look at persecution differently. I've got to look at it that I embrace when God is trying to get around me and tell me, listen, son, I want you to come closer. I want you to come closer. I want you to bow a knee. So those of you who are out there, those of you who have gone through some rough, tough times right now, those of you are way out TV, that you're in there trying to think, who is God? Where is he? Where is this, this God that they promised me? I'm telling you, he's right there with you. He's right there with you. Those of you who are going through illnesses for such a long time, have not yet been healed, he is right there with you. That, that does not mean that God has given up for you. He's saying that I'm right there alongside you. There is a Jesus that meets me at my need. There's a Jesus that comes into the midst of your suffering. And we need a church in the UK that says, God, no matter what, if we don't, if we're not having church as normal, if I don't get to go to church, if my family members, if my son or my children have turned their back on you, God, I'm, 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 I'm going to keep on going. God, no matter what happens in this world, I want to serve you. I want to serve the living king. There's a place of persecution that God has for us. It is promised to us. You know, in the Beatitudes, it says, listen, blessed are those who are persecuted because they shall be comforted. If you, you can't, he can't be telling us about it, not knowing that it's to come. Our persecuted family have never asked us for money. When we meet them one-to-one, -one, they don't say, please, tell the UK to send money. You know what they tell us? I'm begging you, tell them to keep praying for us. 
Because if they don't pray, we don't know what's going to happen to us. We're not asking for anything else but prayer. They say this, we are not even asking you to ask for persecution to stop because we know it's biblical. We know, we know persecution will remain. We are asking you to pray that we will remain strong in our faith, that we will stand strong and we will be unmovable. And today my challenge to the church is how do we stand strong and remember our persecuted family? So today... I put these on your seats, wherever you are, you've got these on your seats. And what is this for? Am I just trying to get sign-ups? Am I just trying to get your, your number so I can come and hang out with you? No. This is just a simple email sign-up list that you can sign up and be part of hearing what's happening to your persecuted family. Just want you to sign up, put your email on there, email address on there, and... Tick monthly emails. You'll get monthly, you'll get information about your persecuted family and it will give you strategic prayers to pray. And my heart is that the church will start to pray for our persecuted family. So right now, I just want to pray and we're going to close and we're going to stand. Stand to your feet, please. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, you are God. Father God, we have a persecuted family that's all around this world. And Lord Father, we pray for them. We pray that, Lord Father, those who are in prison, visit them, Lord Jesus. Those, Lord Father, who are in distress, those, Lord Father, who, who can't handle, Lord Father, the pressure that they have through persecution. Lord, I pray that you will meet them at their needs, Lord Jesus. Father, Lord, I pray right now, those who are around the world, Lord Father, that need help, that need to be taken out of prison, that need to have trauma care, Lord Father, because of the things that they have seen. Lord Father, I pray for those, my persecuted family that need, who are in distress, that need help, Lord God. Lord, we pray that you touch them. We pray that you strengthen them. We pray that as they stand flat-footed in the face of persecution, that they will never move, Lord Jesus. Father God, we pray for our C3 family, Lord God. We pray for those online. We pray for those on Way Out TV, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, Lord Father God, bless them. Come into their homes, come into their lives. Lord Father, invade their lives, Lord God, with whatever they need, Lord Father, for a shift or a change or a turnaround in a time of darkness. Lord, I pray that you will be that light that they need. And Father, I pray right now in your precious name, that Lord Father, you will have your way in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.